Our scripture this morning comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek on the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall lie down with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. May the Lord bless the reading of this living word, and may the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 65% of us are visual learners, meaning that we need to see something for it to be etched on our minds and our hearts. We need to see something to remember it and to carry it forward with us. And that's why this hanging of the green service is so, so important. It gives us visuals to help us to remember and grow in our understanding of the truth that God is with us that Jesus is still being mourned among us and still dwells in the materiality of this world. Greens and candles and poinsettias understood correctly are not just Christmas decorations. They are icons, visible and tactile signs, which if considered long enough, can become windows into hope beyond what our eyes can see, our hands can touch, our mouths can taste, beyond what our minds can fathom. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is full of these vivid images. This is probably the oldest hymn that we continue to sing. It comes from 8th century Latin antiphons or chants that were sung as monks were preparing for Christmas. Its images are based on many scriptures, but mostly the God-breathed poetry of the prophets using the pen name Isaiah, writing from around 800 BCE to 600 BCE. So before we can understand these images as images of hope for us, we, I think we have to understand them as images of hope for the Jewish people in their original historic and religious context. 
a context in which it was believed that God used the kings of the earth to do His will. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Isaiah's first image from chapter 7, verse 14, is a baby. At that time, the nation that we now understand as Israel was two separate nations or kingdoms, one called Judah to the south and one called Israel to the north. Pekah and Rezin, Pekah was Israel's king and Rezin was Damascus' king, joined together to fight against Assyria, who was invading to the north. And they came to the king of Judah, Ahaz, and asked him to join the fight. But he refused. So they declared war on Judah. And King Ahaz was considering joining forces with the Assyrians to protect Judah from destruction. Isaiah urged King Ahaz not to trust in political alliances, but to trust in the power of the Lord to save them. And so he looked at a baby across the room. It might have been Ahaz's own baby, the crown prince, Hezekiah. And he said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. Isaiah was saying, as any of us might say when we look at a baby, just look at this baby. Can't you see that God is with us? Isaiah went on to say that before this boy would begin eating solid food and before he knew right from wrong, that the Lord would defeat Judah's enemies. And then if the king and his people would trust God, then they would have nothing to fear from Israel and Damascus. But Ahaz didn't listen. He entered into an agreement with the Assyrians who fought off Judah's attackers, but then demanded heavy taxes in return. The defeated people of the northern kingdom were deported and went into exile in Assyria. And Isaiah lost hope that God could use King Ahaz and began to look to the potential of the heir to his throne baby Hezekiah. He began to hope that one day the Lord would raise up this baby as a new king and that through him that God would make all things right. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. The next verse I want to talk about is not in our hymnal, but it's the fourth verse of the original seven verses. O come, O branch of Jesse's stem, unto your own and rescue them. From the depths of hell your people save and give them victory over the grave. This comes from Isaiah's image in chapter 11 that we read in verse 1. A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of its roots. In Isaiah's time, the great kingdoms of the world were compared to tall trees. You might have heard of the cedars of Lebanon. And when he looked at the kingdom of Judah, he felt like he was looking at a stump surrounded by redwoods like Assyria and Egypt, the more powerful nations that were all around them. By the time the second half of Isaiah was written, Babylon had 
conquered Judah and destroyed the palace and the temple. And just like many of his subjects, Judah's last king would die in exile. But as dry and dead as that stump looked, Isaiah could see a shoot growing up from it. Isaiah believed that God would return all of the people from exile. And and Isaiah believed that God would reunite the people from the north and the south into one kingdom, ruled by one king in Jerusalem. Isaiah believed that this new king's reign would bring peace and prosperity, not just to Jews, but to the whole earth, as all people recognized one true God. Isaiah believed that one day there would no longer be empires or wars, that the lion would lie down with the lamb, that as we sang in verse 4, all peoples would be bound in one heart and mind, that envy, strife, and quarrels would cease, and that the whole world would be filled with heaven's peace. But Isaiah would not see his prophecy come true and neither would his people. After being ruled by the Assyrians and the Babylonians, they would be ruled by the Persians and the Greeks and finally the Romans. In 70 AD, Rome would destroy Jerusalem and scatter the people there all across the world to live in exile away from there for over 1,800 years until a small number came back to Israel. And even as that small number would grow into a nation, they would not find peace with their neighbors, and they still have no peace with their neighbors. Isaiah's prophecy has not come true, or has it? When early Christians reread Isaiah through the eyes of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, they didn't see prophecies about any old king. They saw promises made about Jesus. So the writer of Matthew quoted the Greek version of Isaiah 7.14, writing about Mary, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And these same early Christians would see Jesus all over Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 11.2. Lo, how a rose e'er blooming from tender stem hath sprung, of Jesse's lineage coming, as men of old have sung. Isaiah twas foretold it, the rose I have in mind. With Mary we behold it, the virgin mother kind. To show God's love aright, she bore to men a Savior when half spent was the night. Like them, we, when we hear Isaiah's words about a newborn called God with us, we see baby Jesus. And when we hear the prophet's words about a new shoot growing from a dead old stump, we see abundant life in Jesus. These images from Isaiah are living images. They're bigger than our histories. They're bigger than our circumstances, capturing our imaginations and providing hope for people for thousands of years to now, even as their understandings have changed and differed. But not all of Isaiah's words have come true yet, have they? 
We live in this already, not yet. We believe that Jesus is that King that Isaiah foretold. That He does sit on the heavenly throne. But yet we can't help but see that earth is not as it is in heaven. And that's why we have to have hope. Contrary to popular belief, hope is not something we catch. It's not a feeling that comes to us unbidden. Hope is a virtue we have to practice. Hope is an attitude that we have to choose. In this season, Isaiah gives us these powerful images that can train our imaginations to hope if we would focus on them, if we would dwell on them, if we would think about them. Just look at this poinsettia tree beside me. Bright in color while the rest of the world is dark and gray. Think about that evergreen tree at your house. Look at the the branches. Feel its stickiness. Smell its perfume. See it full of life. Drinking that water if your dog or cat hasn't already had it. While all the other trees outside shake their barren branches in the cold winter wind, the evergreen remains green. Your life, this life might feel like a tree that has been cut down to a dead stump. Like it might never grow again. But behold, if you have the eyes to see it, there is a shoot growing up in God's time. And look at the babe. We have several babies in our church right now and You might see them on Wednesday night sitting in their car carriers or tottering around the fellowship hall. You might have one or two in your home. Or you might just have one lying in the manger in your nativity set. Look at the babe and see that pure potential. See God stubbornly choosing to bring fragile life into this world despite and maybe even because of all the death and decay all around us. See God stubbornly being born again and again and again as a helpless babe. Set your eyes, set your mind on these images of hope. Paul says hope that is seen is not hope. But what we can see, what we can feel, what we can taste and touch this Advent can help us to have hope in what we yet cannot see. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian and writer whose faith led him to resist the Nazis. He would be executed in 1945, right before Allied forces liberated the camp that he was in. And you would think Christmas would be the last thing on his mind. But in a letter to his parents from November 29th, 1943, we see quite the opposite. We can and should also celebrate Christmas despite the ruins all around us. I think of you now as you sit together with the children and all of the Advent decorations as in earlier years you did with us. We must 
all do this even more intensively because we do not know how much longer we have. I think about Dietrich sitting in that cold spare cell thinking about the Christmas tree and the nativity set and the poinsettias. So friends, celebrate Christmas despite the ruins all around you. Behold these images of life and potential, these gateways of hope, these signs of Christ coming into the world. Let them capture your imagination. Let them determine your attitude. Let them guide you until the wolf lies down with the lamb and the earth is full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is full of waters. May it be so.